Do you believe Senator Atkins is a supporter of SB 50 or not? I do believe that Senator Atkins supports SB 50. Then why wouldn't uh, she have engaged to ensure that it advanced? That is an excellent question for the pro tem, and I regret that she declined your gracious uh, invitation to uh, join the show with me. <laughs> Welcome to an emergency version of woo, Give Me woo, Shelter, woo, the California woo. Housing Crisis Podcast. Those sound effects were provided by Liam Dillon, the Los Angeles Times. And I am Matt Levin, dad and housing reporter. Um, with Cal Matters. And what's the emergency, Liam? It's the demise, shelving, blocking, put on ice of uh, Senate Bill 50. Icing. Icing. Yeah. That's good. There you go. Mm-hmm. To the surprise of many, myself included, SB 50 failed to advance out of a key Senate committee. And we're going to talk about why that happened and what it means for the future. And we have uh, the perfect guest. Well, not the perfect guest. No. no offense to him. We extended invitations to the perfect guests for this, which mm-hmm. were... Denied. Put on ice. Yeah. Blocked. Shelved, if you will. So the people yeah. who were mostly responsible, I would argue, for yes. shelving SB 50, Senator Anthony Portantino, Democrat from La Cunada Flint Ridge, and Senate Pro Tem Tony Atkins, Democrat from the San Diego area. We wanted them to come on the podcast. We'll get to why they're both important shortly. They declined. But we did get somebody. Who do we get? Yeah, so we have uh, uh, Brian Hanlon. He's been on the podcast before. He's the leader of California Yimby, which is the uh, sponsor, sort of principal backer of the bill. We are recording today, Friday, May 17th. May 17th. The day after. The day after the bill was held. Let's take a few steps back. What was in the bill? What was the bill going to do before it got to this particular committee? So uh, the bill would have uh, increased density around transit stops uh, in most places around the state uh, up to allow developers to build four to five stories. Also in single family neighborhoods around the state, um, regardless of whether they were near transit, uh, would have allowed uh, four plexes and in some cases even more than that uh, if those neighborhoods were near uh, high paying jobs and good schools. And that's sort of the as thumbnail of a version of this yes. as you could sort of say quickly. Yes, exactly. And I am going to spend a little more time elaborating on it. Let's just quickly trace the steps that it had taken so far. So it got through its first committee vote. Yes. Right. That was Senator Wiener's committee. Everyone expected it to get through. Because he's the bill author. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Then it it got to a second committee vote. And this was where a lot of drama happened and where where we expected and everyone expected more kind of opposition. And the bill got, many would argue, watered down in that committee. Uh, Another bill from Senator McGuire, Democrat from the North Bay area, was basically folded into SB 50 to treat, quote unquote, smaller counties, counties with less than 600,000 people in it, give them less stringent density requirements than uh, larger counties. Yes. So that's the current state of the bill. Right. And why was I not in attendance at this? <laughs> right. <laughs> why did you abdicate your responsibility? <laughs> yes. So hey, I was doing something for Marketplace. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, some big, people know that program. Big footing. Okay. Yes. Um, so Kyristal mo- takes precedent over you. Liam. Yeah. <laughs> so um, most people, observers uh, on all sides of this, uh, thought that this coming hearing in the Senate Appropriations Committee, which is a fiscal committee, um, was not going to be a gigantic impediment to the bill moving forward. Uh, most people thought, myself included, that it had a interesting but, but a probably favorable vote on the Senate floor if it had advanced from this uh, a committee as well. Uh, and then uh, the real drama was going to come in the next House in the Assembly. 
And, and, why, and that's not ultimately what happened. Why did this bill that is a housing bill and a local government bill, those were the two committees that it went through earlier, why does this have to go through appropriations? Yeah, so let's. this is important because I think people should understand this sort of very arcane and non-transparent process um, when it comes to appropriations committees and the legislature in general. Yeah, you can just call it absurd. It's absurd. It's, it's an a, absurd thing. It's an absurd process. And and um, anyone who's honest about this would agree, right? Um, so uh, uh, going back a long time, there was a decision made that bills that cost the state in some way more than $150,000 mm-hmm. get tossed into this appropriations committee uh, with the under the. Uh, uh, understanding sort of stated reason is that the state should look closely at bills that cost it money to decide whether it wants to spend that money, right? But over time, uh, this process has become a way to kill bills without votes and without fingerprints. And so how? Right. So um, a bill, most bills that are are keyed fiscal, keyed appropriations, go to what's called the suspense file. And that is a – yeah, no, it's a scary, scary thing. Haunting. Haunting. So this is a thing where, again, basically every bill goes into this kind of black box, um, and there's a decision that's made on a day, suspense day, where it's kind of like a cattle call, where the leader of their respective committees in the Senate and the Assembly decide to say literally um, what bills live or die and what changes were made to them uh, by uh, committee members. And of course, they do this in the most transparent, easily accessible way possible. No, they literally literally just say stuff, right? It's basically uh, the the chair of the committee becomes an auctioneer and reads the numbers of the bills – that actually made it through and does not mention the bills that did not. That's in the Senate, yes. Yes. And the Assembly is a slightly different process um, where they do mention that bills are held, um, but it's still not a super transparent way to go about doing business. So you're in the room where this is happening. Well, no, I'm – and actually, like, I, I'm not in the room. Oh, I, so you've I, also I, abdicated your responsibility. Well, no, I'm I'm watching from my office <laughs> because you can watch the stuff live stream. Actually, it's way easier to follow this stuff. Yes. From your office, sometimes if you're following multiple bills, you have to switch back between the Assembly and the Senate. You know, sometimes if you're working with colleagues, you want to make sure you can holler out to them, hey, this bill died. Whose bill is that? Hey, this bill lived, but there's a change. Make sure you call the office. And so that's we're kind of all in our office kind of traffic copying what's going on here. And that's what we were trying to do that morning. Yes. And I just want to reemphasize something that you said earlier. Yeah. When a bill gets placed on suspense— Politically, that means the members on the Appropriations Committee did not technically have to vote on it, which maybe some members don't want to vote on something as controversial as SB 50. But then also, probably more importantly, it doesn't get elevated to the floor. Right. Where even more members would have to vote on something controversial, right? Exactly. So you're following along as Senator Anthony Portantino reads the bills. Chair of the committee. Chair of the committee yes. reads the bills. Yeah. When do you notice SB 50 is not is not among the bills that made it through? So it's actually right off the bat. Um, and what he deci- says is that, hey, guys, uh, thanks for being here. Um, just an announcement before we start here. Here are a handful of bills that we're turning into two-year bills. And what that means is that these are the bills that are not going to move forward this year, will be eligible for action in again in 2020. So he's leading right at the list, going alphabetical by senator, right? And so there's this, there's that, there's this, shit, that. And then Senator Weiner uh, at the bottom of the alphabet, right? And he says, Senate Bill 50. And then, and then um, he just moves on. Okay, now let's get to our agenda. 
<laughs> so this sort of momentous thing happens, right, with this bill, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like, there, you know, no sound, no nothing, and I just, I literally, like, you, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm prone to having immediate reactions to things, right? And I literally just tweeted, like, holy shit, they held uh, SB50. Yes, right? yes. Um, so apologies to my uh, 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 employer for using language that was not the most, uh, uh, well, a bit colorful to start out with. <laughs> That you just repeated on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to bleep it. Yeah. Okay. So what? So, ha- that, so that then sent a flurry of action, right? Yes. Uh, you know, call Senator Portantino's office, call Senator Weiner's office, reach out to the pro tem um, because they have a large role, as we'll get into in how the appropriation decisions are made. Reach out to the governor, just trying to understand sort of what just happened here. Yes. So what happened? Why? Why did Portantino? Put the bill on suspense. Yeah. So, um, or hold it, right? Yeah, um, sorry, hold it. Yeah. So, first of all, we can't, There at the moment that it happens, you don't know for sure that he's the one that, um, and we still technically don't know that he's the one that actually ended it, mm-hmm. right? Because because there was no vote, because there was no formal debate, uh, we don't really, again, it's a black box, you don't really know the answer mm-hmm. to that, right? Um, but certainly- very clear this was not a bill that uh, the senator from La Quiniana Flint Ridge, a bedroom community of Los Angeles, was a fan of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a suburban district, um, you know, and, and when we talked to him after the fact— uh, Yeah, I think you and a couple of the reporters basically cornered him in yes. the— yeah, uh, after, the, hear- hallways after, after the, the hearing, hearing was yeah. done, yeah, we said, what are your problems with it? And, you know, what we've heard a lot from um, a lot of local governments, particularly the sort of the suburban uh, local governments, uh, abdic- you know, taking over local control over mm-hmm. land use, a sacrosanct principle. Uh, we're concerned that, um, you know, density uh, would be coming to areas around bus stops. Uh, you know, that doesn't seem to be something that that is the same as mass transit. Don't like that. Um, you know, we like we don't want to penalize local governments. We want to give them incentives to uh, help, uh, you know, zone and, and build uh, yeah. housing. So sort of a lot of the same arguments they've been hearing from day one from a number of the opponents uh, that represent local government. Do you think he realized the magnitude of what he did? Yes. OK. Yeah. And I say that like that because I, I'm. Yeah. Well, well, I'm broaching that because yeah. I feel like a lot of times, you know, me and you are in the housing Twitter sphere more sure. so than is healthy for anyone. Yeah. And I think for people who are not in that yeah. all the time right. and aren't actors in the space in yeah. the capital typically, yeah. they might not know that a complete avalanche of yeah. what the hell just happened is coming towards them. Well, I think when you have a bill a California legislative bill that has been endorsed by the New York Times, mm-hmm. um, also, you know, the lesser times, of course, um, all, you know, also endorsed by the greater times, the Los Angeles Times, um, you, you know, you expect that to have gotten attention. Um, lawmakers understand that. Uh, sorry. So I interrupted whatever you were about to say. No, just that, um, you know, uh, and, and I asked him sort of flat out um, after – you know, uh, uh, you know, who decided this? Was it you? Right. And he said, well, I, I'm the chair of the committee. So that was a clear indication that this is something that he um, wanted to do. Was it notable to you that he did not mention the compromises to the bill that had already been made? So putting myself in Anthony Portantino's shoes. Yeah. I represent Burbank 
Glendale, Pasadena. Pasadena. Right. Those are cities that are only yeah, decently larger, but not orders of magnitude larger than Santa San Cruz, Santa Rosa, San Rafael, which would be right. treated very differently. Yes. Did it surprise you that he didn't mention that? That seems to me like low-hanging rhetorical fruit that he could have plucked. Sure. Um, maybe, you know, um, uh, maybe. Um, I... Th- yeah, I don't think it's a bad, that, that that's a good answer. I mean, I think like okay. it, we can go back through you, you know the fact that uh, uh, sort of my take is that um, the suburban legislators are the ones who you know you know with starting with McGuire kind of took a pound of flesh from the bill and then ultimately um, blocked it right with mm-hmm. Portantino. Um, and I think uh, they were looking for um, avenues to say our communities should not be as affected as uh, some of the larger ones. Um, and because they're in positions of power, are able to make that argument pretty forcefully. And remember, a, a planner from Pasadena actually That's testified right. against— That's oop, right. I, my voice kind of hiccuped yeah. there. But a planner from Pasadena actually testified against SB 50 at the um, Local Government and Finance Committee. That's correct, yeah. Um, so Pasadena was not a fan of this bill. Okay, let's shift away a little bit from Senator Portantino, and let's talk about um, Senate Pro Tem Atkins— and what her role in this is. Is yeah. she the one to blame for this not getting through? <laughs> um, uh, I'm not going to answer that directly. But Neither I th- would she. Yeah, neither would she, right? <laughs> or neither would but, actually 95% of the people I asked that question to. Right, because I think, like, again, we're in this black box situation, right, um, where you really can't tell. But I, I think, look, you know, this— was a, an issue with this bill that was foreseeable very much fr- so from like not just day one like day negative one like day negative a thousand yeah right so you you know you set the structure up and this point was coming you 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 know you have Senator Weiner reintroduce this piece of legislation this big kind of big piece of legislation he tried last year does at the beginning of December. Later in December, Senator Atkins makes a pretty big move, the pro tem makes a pretty big move to put Senator Weiner in charge of a new housing committee, splitting it off from transportation, right? That's right, which guarantees that the bill is going to get farther than its predecessor, SB 827. And not only that, it's an endorsement of Senator Weiner's general approach to housing legislation, right? Yes. Number two. Number three, you ensure that that bill goes through Senator McGuire's Committee on Government and Finance, ensuring that there's going to be some sort of compromise that has to happen with uh, sort of uh, smaller Northern California, Marin, right. those sorts of areas. And then you know Senator Portantino, not a fan of this kind of legislation representing La Cañada Flintridge, you know that that bill, as, as him being head of appropriations, was going to ultimately reach him. And so none of this is a surprise that this conflict was here. Mm-hmm. I think what the surprise for me was that she, Atkins, having set up this structure— um, Didn't intervene. Did not intervene to ensure that it— um, got through yeah i mean that was the kind of presupposition of everyone of everybody yeah Yeah. that atkins would lean on portantino to ensure that the bill would get through right and and so she you know put out actually at this point two statements about this decision right one in the immediate aftermath and then one uh here on friday um when she's been getting a lot of pushback about this i'm gonna i'm gonna read this 
Uh, quote, I will not circumvent the decision made by the Appropriations Committee Chair on SB 50, regardless of my own personal feelings about this critical issue. Part of my job as leader of the Senate is to uphold the authority and decisions of committee chairs and take into consideration the views of committee members. To be clear, the bill is not dead. This is the first year of a two-year session. Short of significantly amending the bill and limiting its applications in large swaths of the state, there was no path to move forward this year. More work needs to be done, and there's no better leader on housing to do that, that work than Senator Weiner. So what do you make of that statement? Well, it's a couple of things. Uh, one, um, she squarely puts the blame or credit, if you will, depending on your perspective, mm-hmm. for the decision on Portentino. Yes. Right? She said, it wasn't me. It doesn't matter how I felt. It's this guy. Right? Um, and so that is interesting, number one, given that we've talked about the sort of black box, not really understanding who. Um, who. Uh, number two, something from her statement that, that stood out to me was her basically saying, look, I don't, I just, you know, I'm just here. And these committee chairs are the ones making the decisions. And that's, I think that's very interesting in the context of a recent uh, uh, decision um, on a bill uh, that that did not happen um, in almost this exact same circumstance, another high profile bill. So uh, last year, there was a version of uh, legislation authored by Assemblywoman Shirley Weber from San Diego that would change the standard for when uh, 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 sort of pro- police could be criminally charged for uh, killing civilians during the line of duty, right? Hot button issue, hot button issue last year, bill failed last year, another hot button issue this year. Uh, but that bill sat in the Senate Appropriations Committee at the end of session last uh, last summer, and Senator Rack in Portentino was the committee chair, and Senator Rack has pulled it out. But the idea that she defers to the committee chairs to make these decisions um, counteracted by this very recent um, uh, 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 example. In other words, another way of viewing her statement is this is not going to come up again this year. Oh, yeah. 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 Despite protestations for it. Uh, protestations? Pro- pro- protestations. <laughs> protestations. Yeah. That's an elderly Freudian yeah. slip. <laughs> um, so. and, and there was a third uh, element of that I thought was interesting. So, you know, again, one, uh, Portentino's uh, the one who made this call. Two, um, I defer to committee chairs all the time, which I, I don't think is true. Um, three, um, uh, she said, you know, look, there was no path forward for this bill this year, which is interesting compared to what uh, Senator Weiner told the both of us. Yes. Which he said he believed he had the, the, votes. the votes in the Senate floor for it to for it to move. And so that's interesting, too. Uh, there's, there's no those two things can't both be true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, it may be true that she thought in the long run there was no path uh, to getting it past the legislature entirely. That's certainly a possibility. Um uh, so yeah, there you go. But, but as far as the vote that was coming up and she may, I mean, look, it's very common for leaders of a house to say, my members are, are upset about taking a very hard vote, particularly mm-hmm. recently where one of their members were, was recalled for having a hard vote. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, you know, we're going to keep it shield these hard decisions from, uh, the membership. So let's just quickly talk about the actual prospects of this being resuscitated this year. Based on Atkins' statement, it, it is very difficult for me to imagine a world where this actually comes back. It's not to say that it's impossible. That's right. not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but it does, it does seem very unlikely. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the one wild card here that we um, have yet to mention is the role of the governor. That's right. Right. So uh, let's talk about that. So uh, in Governor Newsom uh, did not take a position on the bill. Um, and in fact, some of his public statements and he was asked about it in interviews were not super complimentary towards it. At one point, he I recall a radio interview where he said it was, quote, struggling the bill. Yeah. Um, I, I would frame it as yeah. lukewarm. And then it kind of turned just to just pure room temperature yes there tepid. you go tepid 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 yeah, yeah. I, but i think f- like tepid support right so i just let's just keep my Lukewarm. flawed metaphor room yeah. temperature room temperature yes yeah so inter- which is what yeah. he said publicly right behind the scenes you know Ooh. there might be other things there might apply. be other things going on um now uh he released a statement though uh after the bill failed um, yes. saying he was, quote, disappointed yes. by that decision and said, you know, housing near transit has to be part of the conversation if we're going to build uh, and get out of this mess that we're in in California. And looking at it from his perspective, I mean, you probably are most to blame for this, but he's going to be nailed on that 3.5 million new housing units figure by 2025. Yes. Right. Yes. And with if there is a housing package that is passed this year without a key production component to it beyond affordable housing right. financing, something that would allow you know market rate development to go along easier. It is tough to see how he reaches that number. So, you know, on yeah, the one I mean, hand- tough, tough anyway, but certainly yes. tough if you don't make a legislative effort to really kick that number up significantly. That's right. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, the the statement afterwards surprised me because he had been so noncommittal on SB 50 beforehand. Right, right. On the other hand, I thought, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense, right? Well, and also I think it's- He needs of, some production bill. Yeah, and it speaks to, like, I think it raised the question in putting out a statement, like, um, all right, you're sad, but, like, what did you do, right? Like, if this if this decision made you sad, then did you do things- Sad bef- exclamation point. Sad exclamation point. Did you do things in advance- to perhaps prevent that sadness that you now feel, right? Um, and, and we don't know the answer to that, um, I think, yet. Uh, maybe we'll find something else. Um, but whatever, if he did anything, whatever was done clearly wasn't enough to overrule um, that a, le- a legislative, you know, the head of the Appropriations Committee. I mean, you know, Senator Portantino was asked about this, and he said, look, uh, the governor's the governor. I'm just a lowly senator, right? Um, and so, you know, there are ways, although he does not have a formal decision to make on this process, for him to throw his significant leverage around to get things that he want uh, to happen. And clearly, uh, whatever, he, whatever, if anything, he did wasn't enough. Do, do you think we are at risk of, you know, inflating the roles of Newsom and Atkins to these supernatural figures where they're— they have complete power um, and that whatever they want goes. No. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think, I think in this circumstance, you're right. I think because yeah. also, I don't know if we actually made this point as clearly as, as we could have. Yeah. There are many instances where an appropriations chair does not like a specific bill and that bill gets out of appropriations. Exactly. There, there are many, many, many instances of that. So yeah. the, the, personal disinclination of a legislator, no matter how distasteful they find the legislation, right. um, sometimes matters um, with the Appropriations Committee chair, but 
often is isn't. not determinative. And, and I think particularly in the highest profile things, right? Like if, yes. they, if there was always a decision that the governor could weigh in, he would never veto a bill, right? Because all the bills that he that would come to his desk would be those that he supported, right? Or else he would strangle them in, in the legislature, right? Um, but, um, you know, on the things that are key priorities for, say, the legislature or the governor, like housing is uh, supposed to be, um, when on those bigger bills, usually the opinions of those in charge uh, matter the most. Let's talk about how putting SB 50 on pause, at least for this year, affects the fate of other housing related legislation this year. And let's start with the tenant bills that are left um, in the assembly. Um, One key part of the tenant protection package also did not make it out of suspense. That was Buffy Wick's bill to create a statewide rental registry to create more reliable rental data um, and track evictions and other things related to rentals. The two that are left are Just Cause Eviction, Rob Bonta's bill, a bill that would basically force landlords to list a reason why they're um, getting someone out of an apartment. Um, And two, David Chu, Democrat from San Francisco, his rent camp bill, anti-rent gouging bill, which would place a limit on how much landlords could increase your rent. Does the demise of SB 50 make it harder for those bills to pass? I think short answer, yes. Uh, it's unclear to me how much it makes them, you know. I think, I mean, those bills are huge climbs no matter what. I mean, they're not, you know, these bills have never been popular in the legislature. Uh, why they'd be popular now, given the trouncing that a landlords put on uh, a record control ballot measure last November is still a bit mystifying to me. Um, so any headwind— What do you, what do you make yeah. of the theory yeah. that— and I mean, Senator Weiner was fairly explicit in yeah. uh, framing it this way, at least to me, yeah. that if you're not going to give the developers, the realtors, at least um, something, a, a carrot, a yeah. production carrot like SB 50, then why are they going to hold their ammo on the tenant bills? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I don't I mean, certainly there's groups liked SB 50. I don't know if those if those groups saw SB 50 as existential or or really a uh, 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 you know a carrot uh, like a Bugs Bunny sized carrot right um, versus just like a regular like I don't know Safeway sized carrot right um, I don't know my carrot sizes I, I mean Bugs Bunny well in the as... cartoon would get these giant really big like uh-huh. delicious carrots yeah, Safeway yeah, yeah. I mean you know it's a carrot right okay so so I I mean this metaphor may be strained it is certainly um, but the point that I'm trying to make is uh, I don't know that the gift of SB 50 to those groups is big enough um, to perhaps overwhelm opposition to um, uh, some of these uh, tenant I, I bills. Think, I think that's a very legitimate point. Yeah. I also think what, what makes the tenant bills different, too, is that unlike SB 50, Newsom has explicitly called for, yeah. called on lawmakers saying, I want tenant protection bills sent to me yes. to sign. Now, he hasn't yeah. been as explicit in the specifics of what he wants. Right. But he has said, I want this or something like this, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which he never said about SB 50. Right. But Which if, is more more reason the bills could become law eventually. Yeah. yeah. But if a rental registry bill can advance, I know. you had a huge thumping for a just cause bill last year, I know. a thumping at the ballot for rent control, I'm just like, I, I, you know, it's uh, it's a... It, it's 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 certainly an uphill 
battle and any headwind on that I think is 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 difficult for that for that those two uh, bills to get through. So so spinning that forward. Yeah. And again, we don't mean to be doom and gloom right. on everything. We're I just... hear a lot of that. Like we, you and I are doom and gloom uh, twins. Some criticism. We are. That's what we, that's what I hear. Ooh, a lot. I'm doom. You could be gloom. Okay, I'll be gloom. Yeah. yeah. If the tenant bills die yeah. and SB fifty dies, yeah. what's in the package? And what sure. can Newsom hold up as like this is hey, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I I promise to deliver to you guys. Right. Well, I do think I mean there are s- some substantive bills that that would remain even if the, all those bills die. Yes. Um, you know, there, we talked with Senator Skinner about SB her proposal. Is still alive. Yeah, her proposal on the, the last episode of the podcast uh, that you know that made it through, although that was cut in half. Instead of uh, now those principles being in place for ten years, they're now five. Um, that went through Portentino's committee um, uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, and I think we're going to know pretty quickly. I mean, the deadline for those tenant bills to get off the assembly floor, which I think would be an enormous achievement for them. Um, is the end of this month. And so we're going to quickly if they advance. But I think you could very be easily be looking at a situation on the 1st of June where none of the sort of highest profile housing legislation advanced. And then I don't know what are you left with. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but early, in an earlier podcast, we did a gimmick where you pronounced the name of uh, a mountain. Do you remember that gimmick? Donald Pius? Yes. Yeah. I got yeah. it right now, though. Huh? I got. I said it right. This yeah, time. you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, thank you're you. basically a California native at this point. <laughs> thank you. Um, we likened. We were kind of estimating how difficult a path, all the obstacles SB50 yeah, 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 could yeah. hit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think one of us compared it to a Himalayan ascent. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> what? No, I don't remember that, but uh, sure. Yeah. I think you don't remember it because um, you only remember the things you say. I see. <laughs> <laughs> So I should have been more clear. That was yeah. the it was um yeah. I think I compared it there. Okay. And and the re- the overriding reason why that's the case is because cities, local officials and homeowners are a very powerful political force that should not be underestimated. And kind of broadening this out, right? You can put all the blame on Portentino if you want. You can put all the blame on Atkins and Newsom if you want, right? What should not be underestimated is that very upset homeowners in Pasadena, right, and local elected officials across the state really did not like SB 50. And not just from, I mean, yes, predominantly, I think the loudest is from the suburbs. But again, let's not forget the city councils of San Francisco or or Board of Supervisors of San Francisco, City Council of L.A., both, you know, voted against this. They yes. don't want they don't they don't want their power taken away. And why would anyone want their power taken away? Now, I, I think even, you know, I was talking to someone from the League of Cities when this news dropped and yeah. I asked him for an on the record comment, like, yeah. hey, what's your reaction to this? And that person was literally speechless. I think that person was kind of surprised by what had happened. Sure. Sure. Um but but even still, if you look at all of the housing legislation that, that we've had so far and moves by the governor to try to increase housing production, I think you have to admit the cities have been relatively successful in pushing back at least against the most aggressive, aggressive yeah. um, uh, inroads on local control, right? Yeah. So SB 50 off the table now. The governor in January said, I'm going to tie gas tax money, right? Yep. Whether you get gas tax money to meeting your housing productions, that's been pushed back and kind of it's it might it's, not be gas tax money. It, well, it's still there. We'll see by the time of the budget whether it passes, whether anything makes it specifically that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
regardless, they've been successful in pushing back against that. Yes. Expanded short-term goals for uh, housing production at the city level, right? Yeah. Um, that idea pretty much has been tabled. Now, those goals are going to be increased anyway because of laws that were passed in 2017. Um, but still, right? Year, yeah. Newsom said that he wanted bigger goals in the short term that cities were going to be held accountable for. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen either. No. The lesson to me above all is do not underestimate the influence of homeowners and local elected officials. Uh, homeowners vote. Uh, local elected officials often become state legislators. Uh, and they uh, can very easily gin up um, opposition to your state legislator. Yes. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. if your big city mayors want want what you're offering. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else to add about SB 50 or a- any of this? How I'm, exhausted are you? I'm tired, man. I, I you know, I know. Was, I had a whole different set of things I thought I was going to be doing this week. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the email comes across. That SB50 gets held, uh, and I'm literally like, oh, God. And <laughs> and it's just like I have to postpone everything that I was going to do and turn to that. Right. So. Well, again, to be clear, not because you have a very strong feelings about the bill itself, but because you have very strong feelings about what you're going to do with your life for the next 48 hours. Anything else on SB50? I think we're good. Let's talk with Brian Hanlon, head of California Yimby. So we're here with uh, Brian Hanlon, uh, the head of California YIMBY, which is the uh, principal sponsor backer of Senate Bill 50. Brian, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So how was your morning yesterday? <laughs> it was exciting. What about? What, what, what made it so exciting? <laughs> exciting is an interesting choice of words. Yeah. Yeah, look, the... Um uh, yesterday morning did not go as we had hoped. Uh, that said, look, um, it, it's not over uh, for this year for SB50 until uh, May 31st, and we are continuing to advocate uh, for the pro tem to um, bring this bill to the floor so that way the full Senate uh, can uh, weigh in. How, how much of a surprise was this to you? Well, look, I would say surprise the when it happened some surprise. Um, I would say we thought everything was fine until around Tuesday morning. Uh, we started hearing that there could be some problem in appropriations. Um, so we were, I was actually in Los Angeles at the time and uh, in the San Fernando Valley uh, giving a talk and went to work and um, as did my team. And we I think really pulled off uh, quite a uh, campaign on uh, Wednesday uh, to drive uh, many hundreds of uh, phone calls, in-district events, uh, and supporters uh, to the Capitol and other uh, folks and key stakeholders, Liam's favorite word, uh, to the uh, pro-tem and uh, Chair Portantino. Um, It turns out it wasn't enough. Um, But again, we are confident that we are going to be able to push forward a uh, solid uh, uh, housing bill uh, this year. So who do you feel hold sort of most responsible for making the decision to uh, hold SB 50 in appropriations? Yeah, so it's tough. Uh, chair Portantino is the chair of that committee, uh, and he declined uh, to move that bill out of suspense. I would say that 
his own committee analysis suggested that SB 50 would cost the state about $207,000 a year, which isn't even a fraction of a rounding error uh, of the annual state budget. And given the scale that this bill and just the Bay Area alone, based on the analysis the um, Urban Displacement Project uh, conducted, that SB 50 would 5x the market feasible amount of a deed-restricted low-income housing built, it would probably build more than currently exist in the Bay Area, five, including... Five times on, on, on the affected parcels. Just want to make that clear. Uh, yes. Um, but again, what you're, that amounts to about 30,000 units of affordable okay. yeah. uh, to extremely low-income individuals. That's at 0 to 30%. Mm-hmm. Right now, the um, uh, current policy capacity is zero units for individuals that need uh, that uh, real deep level of affordability, uh, as well as uh, 4x, uh, the uh, amount of a market rate housing that would be feasible to build. So this is a really big bill. Um, and I would argue that the $207,000 that it would cost the state is not an appropriate reason uh, for the Appropriations Committee to hold up the bill. Um, did you have direct conversations with Portantino uh, close to the time of the vote? Or so the, not the vote, I but the hearing? I personally did not, um, but I know that folks in our coalition did. And what, what, what was talked about in those conversations? I don't... You know, I don't know that I could uh, faithfully uh, convey exactly what was talked about. Um, I know that the chair is not much of a fan um, of the approach of the bill. Uh, he rep- he was former mayor of La Cañada, Flint Ridge, a very wealthy city in L.A., where I believe the median home price is about $1.7 million. And so we knew that would be a... Uh, in terms of a floor vote, um, I, I didn't think he was going to be in the yes column there. Um, but in terms of appropriations, the role of an appropriations chair is different um, than the role of someone voting on the floor, where it's a combination of you're, you're uh, voting what you think is best for the state and what you think is best for your constituents. And I would argue that his um, decision-making as appropriations chair uh, was not appropriate. Ah, mm. ah, yes, mm. yes. Uh, Plain word there. Yeah, let me, but let me ask this, right? So, not not a shock that uh, Senator Portino was opposed to the bill. What and was long been opposed to this sort of approach? Why a shock that it uh, that this sort of outcome was, or you didn't weren't concerned really, as you said, or did, uh, until Tuesday. What yeah, do you expect well, so to happen? Again, yeah. the Appropriations Committee, it's not like a normal policy committee where, so like let's take for, uh, for instance, um, the uh, Governance and Finance Committee, where Senator Weiner, um, in, um, along with Senator McGuire, um, engaged in a very long negotiation, a lot of back and forth, and the result were substantial amendments to SB 50, um, where Chair McGuire agreed to hold his own bill, SB4, back, and then uh, come on board as a co-author of SB50. So that is the sort of thing that you expect to happen um, in the legislative process, that in these policy committees, you are making substantive deals um, um, with uh, members of that committee in order to get uh, a majority vote um, in, in order to uh, move it forward. Uh, typically with the Appropriations Committee, that's not quite that role. Um, there still would have been uh, room for 
substantive negotiations on the floor um, in a, as a floor amendment in the Senate, if need be. Um, and so we didn't think that um, the the opposition of Chair Portantino to the substance of the bill would be determinative in terms of the outcome of the Appropriations Committee. So but, why? Yeah, what? but why? I mean, did you expect the Senate leader, Senator Atkins, to potentially override concerns that he might have had? We did. We expected that the overwhelming support of SB 50, um, whether it's from uh, members of the Senate, where it passed its first committee 9-1, its second committee 6-1, um, where we have the support of organizations as diverse as the California Labor Federation and the California Chamber of Commerce, the UC Students Association and the AARP, the National Resources Defense Council and the California Building Industry Association, and just on and on and on, as well as a supermajority of California voters, we thought that would be sufficient in order to permit that bill to receive a full and fair floor vote. Do you believe Senator Atkins is a supporter of SB 50 or not? I do believe that Senator Atkins supports SB 50. Then why wouldn't uh, she have engaged to ensure that it advanced? That is an excellent question for the pro tem, and I regret that she declined your gracious uh, invitation to uh, join the show with me. Uh, when you asked her that question, what was her response? Well, I'm not going to share um, sort of private conversations with the pro tem, um, although I will state that she has um, issued a statement uh, today uh, that the decision was Chair Portantino's and that she, she did not want to override uh, the decision of her chair. Um, let's let's kick this thing forward a little bit. Uh, if so, also in that statement that Atkins put out, she made it pretty clear that she wasn't going to do anything to resuscitate the bill this year. Um, I'm curious what you make of that. Can you guys somehow resuscitate it without her um, intervention? Well, sure. Bills come back all the time, and you and you guys know that. Um, so, one, look, we still uh, seek to engage with the pro tem and to have others engage with her and to uh, voice support for permitting SB 50 to receive a floor vote. Uh, people change their mind all the time, um, and I, I do hope uh, that she uh, changes her mind on this matter. Um, but, sure, there are other avenues uh, for moving forward with um, a substantial housing bill, as well as a substantial housing package this year. And one of the uh, you know, real frustrating things is that there were so many good housing bills moving forward um, as part of this overall three P's framework. And right now, we're missing the, the key P here of, of, um, of, um, of SB 50 and a production. And so if the governor is going to make good on his promise to, to build uh, 3.5 million homes by 2025, we're going to need to pass a substantive housing package this year. We could not wait to next year. What, yeah. what role uh, did the governor have, do you think, here? Well, look, I, I think you, you heard the um, uh, governor um, after the uh, decision in the Appropriations Committee um, voicing regret um, that he wanted to see SB 50 move forward. What did he do before? 
you're going to have to ask the governor. Did uh, I'm guessing he uh, also declined your invitation? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, that was that was a very nice retort. Uh, but uh, let me say, um, you know, his public had not taken a position on the bill, right? Newsom did not take a position on the bill. Pre- you know, uh, public statements were kind of soft, to say the least, uh, about about the bill. And then he comes and says he's sad that it didn't move. Um, what do you, do you think he could have done more um, uh, uh, to tell people this was something that he wanted to see move? Yeah, you know, I I think so. I think the the, the governor has been has wanted the legislature to present to him a a, um, a constellation of housing bills that accomplish uh, a number of different things, whether it's in terms of um, producing more housing at all levels of affordability, protecting uh, vulnerable tenants, preserving the affordability of existing affordable housing, et cetera. And, you know, that through that process, you typically see what, what shakes out. And I do, I think that the Senate uh, really dropped the ball here, in particular Chair Portantino, um, in, in making it very, very difficult for the legislature to um, meaningfully address, far and away, the number one issue at the top of mind of California voters this year, and that's housing. So we we realize that these are questions that are very difficult politically for you to answer, obviously, because, you know, we are asking you whether people in positions of power that will dictate the future of SB 50, whether this year or more likely next, they'll have influence over that, right? Let me let me kind of reframe this. Is it just incredibly naive of Liam and I, and you know how prone we are to being naive, Brian? Uh, <laughs> is it incredibly naive of us to think, well, if Newsom called Portantino and was like, I want this, and if Atkins called Portantino and was like, I want this, that the bill would not have advanced? Uh, you know, well, I don't think you guys are naive. Uh, and look, <laughs> it, it depends, right? Um it, you know, there's one thing to to tell someone where the to, to tell someone that you, you want this, um, and there are varying levels of pressure that can be employed. And I can't tell you, like I don't know um, exactly what the pro tem or the governor did. Okay. Uh, should we? I want to talk about the package, the possibility of a package. Uh, Do, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, what what should we expect to see out of you between now and May thirty first? Uh, we are full steam ahead at trying to make sure that SB fifty receives a full Senate floor vote. Uh, so that is our overwhelming priority right now. Um, what does that we, mean? Though? What it's like if we are okay. unable um, to uh, bring SB fifty to the floor by May thirty first, then we'll have to look at um, alternative options uh, for um, bringing uh, back uh, SB fifty. Now, there are a number of other bills, though, that we're also supporting. Um, you'd be happy to know that we're also uh, sponsoring um, some of the Casita bills, like the Lambert Ting's AB 68. Um, we uh, are also supporting uh, really, a, a, I mean, tons of other fantastic housing bills. And so our advocacy is, we're, there's still like a lot of great bills for us to advocate for. But as you hinted at, the overall package is in real jeopardy here. Um, it is you have different stakeholders, um, and sorry, Liam, that don't always agree. In fact, they, they disagree on a lot of housing solutions. But many folks have broadly come together under this three P's framework of production at all levels of affordability, 
protecting tenants and preserving existing affordable housing. Talk a little bit more about how this could affect tenant protection bills that are currently in uh, the assembly, and many of which you guys support, California YIMBY supports. Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, I am not optimistic um, that some of these great bills, like, for instance, AB 1492, some of them choose a bill on uh, rent caps um, that we enthusiastically support. I'm not optimistic that uh, that the other tenant bills are going to be able to make it through um, if we don't also have uh, bills like SB 50. So what makes um, you say and that? So look, I, I think it is going to be incumbent upon uh, Senate and Assembly leadership and the governor in order to make sure that um, you know by the the end of this uh, legislative year that the governor has on his desk uh, a range of bills uh, to meaningfully address uh, these issues. So I want to go back to something you, you just said a little bit ago. Um, you said if we don't get something by on SB 50 by May 31st, we have other means. Um, can, can you, what is that? What, what are you, what are you, what are you saying there? He's got a ski mask. And- <laughs> <laughs> we've got, a, we've got a lot of months, fellas, in order to, in order to, uh, bring forward major housing legislation. Um, and you're certainly well aware there are a number of different um, legislative maneuvers um, that are available to us. Um, let's kick it forward to 2020, and let's just assume that SB 50 um, won't be taken up again until then. Uh, does the fact that it's it might be voted on in an election year, make things easier or harder, or doesn't really have an effect on um, on the outcome? You know, it's, it's tough to say. Um, I think the conventional wisdom is that it makes it more difficult. Um, the uh, housing package of 2017 was passed in an odd non-election year. Right. Um, we have so many good housing bills that have been introduced this year. Uh, I do think it's going to be challenging to pass a meaningful package next year. That said, I got to tell you, this recent poll makes me question some of this conventional wisdom. Um, You know, California YIMBY commissioned a poll from uh, Lake Research Partners, and the fact that we found overwhelming support for SB 50 and for policy interventions like SB 50 across every major demographic group in California – quite frankly, surprised us that the numbers were that good. We knew that a majority of Californians supported building more housing, including building more housing in their communities. Uh, But these numbers are really terrific. Um, And so given that, it might not be as challenging to pass a substantive housing package in an election year uh, than most observers uh, currently think. That said, it is my strong preference, and California NBA is going to do everything that we can in order to pass that housing package this year. So, again, possibly looking at 2020, Portantino will still be chair um, of the Appropriations Committee then. Barring something unforeseen, Atkins will still be Senate pro tem, will still have Newsom as governor. Is there anything politically that, that changes for you or that you're looking forward to next year that's going to make getting SB 50 through easier? That's a good question. I got to tell you, I I really have been so focused on getting this bill through this year. I haven't run through. I, I haven't really fully gamed out uh, what this looks like in twenty twenty. 
Are there are there any amendments? This pro tem statement from today, Friday, referenced yeah. that without changes uh, that to narrow it from affecting large swaths of California, um, there was no path forward this year. What what changes would you be willing to make um, to see that it does move? Sure. Well, a couple of things. So one. We do believe that SB 50 had the votes to pass the the Senate uh, this year. Um, Now, look, you guys know that, you know, SB 50, upon introduction, has changed a lot. It's a much more complicated bill now (laughs) than it was at first. Uh, And it's going to change a lot in the future. We still, even if we um, uh, pass the Senate, we still have assembly housing and, crucially, the Assembly Local Government Committee. I'm sure uh, your listeners can imagine that it's called Assembly Local Government uh, for a reason. Um, So there is no way that this bill was going to pass both houses of the legislature without further substantive amendments. Um, And we knew that. And I think if you look at the types of um, amendments, the the many amendments that have been taken thus far, um, especially the very substantive ones uh, taken in the uh, local government, I'm sorry, in the uh, Governance and Finance Committee, you'll see that uh, Senator Weiner, California Yimby, and our coalition partners are absolutely willing to negotiate with good faith partners in order to move this bill forward. Um, I just want to ask at a a personal level, Brian, like objectively this year, the coalition that you guys assembled um, was broad and powerful, right? This year you got the trades on board. um, You got a bunch of new environmental groups on board. You negotiated the deal with McGuire. um, You got AARP on board, right? This was, it was at least on paper, a very, very powerful coalition it must be enormously frustrating that the bill dies in this way. Well, the bill isn't dead yet. Uh, let's be clear about that. Um, but look, I would say this uh, procedural hiccup is, uh, is, is indeed frustrating. Um, we you are have so measured a, in your tone. Uh, indeed, a very broad and politically powerful coalition in support of SB 50. We have a supermajority of California voters behind us. Um, and for the former mayor of, a, of La Cunada, Flint Ridge, to decline to permit his colleagues to vote on it uh, is indeed frustrating. And we're going to do everything we can to give his colleagues the opportunity to weigh in. All right. Uh, anything else that we neglected to ask, again, in our naivete, that um, you think we should have asked? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this, like, to me, this this gets at the, the a fundamental question of, is California going to be able to govern itself to plan for the future? Um, if we permit um, folks like Chair Portentino um, to personally veto uh, incredibly important and necessary legislation, how are we going to solve our climate crisis? How are we going to solve um, the uh, looming uh, fiscal problems that, that the state has? Uh, how are we going to deal with some of the challenges regarding climate change, both in terms of uh, reaching our greenhouse gas um, uh, emissions reduction targets, as well as um, uh, living in a uh, in a state where that with extreme fire risk that is only going to get worse? Um, if if we're not able, if the if the, the California legislature isn't able to pass something like SB 50, uh, then it's. We, we, we need to really think of 
how we're going to be able to govern ourselves to address a, a wide host of challenges. Because um, compared to some of the other issues I addressed, SB 50 should be easy. All right. Uh, one last, sorry, oh, one last something. question. Yeah. I don't even know if it'll make it. Um, what if there is a housing package that actually does pass this year um, that includes the tenant legislation, uh, maybe um, you know some of Bell's bills, um, but doesn't include SB 50? I, I would feel like that makes it that much harder to actually get SB 50 across next year. Yeah, it depends. I mean, look, if if you passed a a housing package that didn't substantially address the housing crisis, then I think we'll be able to come back um, and make the case to the people of California and the legislature that their work isn't isn't complete. Uh, and part of that's going to be on you guys <laughs> in terms of how you cover uh, anything. Um, so, uh, you know, look, there are still a number of very good bills that are in play. SB 50 is still in play. Um, and we are going to continue uh, to support not only SB 50, uh, as well as a number of, of, of other bills this year. Uh, all right. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. And thanks, as always, for the advice. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to this emergency edition woo, woo, woo. of Gimme Shelter, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. I'm Matt Levin, data and housing reporter with CalMatters. You can find me on Twitter at mlevinreports. Uh, Liam Dillon, LA Times, at Dylan Liam on Twitter. Um, we'll be back in two weeks. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. Well, I think, yeah, we'll, uh, it'll, it'll be the end of the first uh, house. So we, we'll, we'll know about the tenant bills. We'll know, we'll know what the landscape's going to look like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we, we might have had some plans otherwise. Oh, yeah. I don't know where those plans stand now. See how cryptic and intriguing we are? <laughs> um, we, we tell like, you guys a lot, but only so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening.